0: You got to keep the big picture that, hey, we're changing the world. We're changing the world. If you want to be taken seriously, you have to be consistent. We're speaking with people that are sending a pulse to their industry. Pulse Welcome to, to
1: industry. Electric People. We have Dave Madsen on gotta the check show. Check out Tim Ballard. Jeff Curl. Sheckler. Kenzie Watts.
0: The League presents
1: Electric People. Electric People 2020. It is a new First decade. Episode. This is the first episode. Wow. Well, I actually think one came yeah, out, but this is the first
0: it. recorded The first one. recorded episode, yeah. Yeah. Okay.
1: We're here with Taylor Judd. What's up, Taylor Judd? How's it going, you guys? You look Taylor? incredibly handsome today. Thank you very the much. The fade
0: on that haircut is just something.
2: Well, it took me four hours, so.
0: You did it yourself? Yeah. Really? That's,
1: that's like a blow-dry and paste mixture going yeah. on there. Um, for you guys that don't know Taylor, uh, about 250 career installs. Young. Taylor's like... I was thinking about this this morning you're, you're like young money you know like you had like the rap game <laughs> for a while and then you had like little Wayne come on the scene uh-huh. and now he's the thing that's like yeah Taylor Judd oh so no. yeah Taylor is a large equity holder in one of our largest offices San Diego South just broke a tribe record with last quarter's performance uh, we were debating on how many installs we count it's between 465 and 500 installs last quarter That's so incredible
0: man yeah, yeah, dude, franchise member, blessed. tremendous
1: success, and we wanna hear what makes you tick. So wait,
0: you both lead from the front and your team is the top team. It's
2: what it looks like. It's possible you know, to, it's to do deal, both.
0: It's possible to do both.
2: Yeah. Like so sometimes it doesn't feel that way, but yeah, it is. <laughs>
1: Juggling. <laughs> yeah. Start by telling us how you got into the industry. You guys were talking before, but yeah, um, I think that's a story that not a lot of people know.
2: Yeah, so um, I've worked for the company about two and a half years now. Um, I'm originally from Utah, like a lot of uh, people that are working down here. Um, I recently been married. I was in shipping. Um, I ran a, a sales force for a 3PL, which is you just uh, you negotiate lower rates for shipping costs for small to medium sized companies. All inside sales. Picture
1: you for some reason in a warehouse. Like whenever I think of your, (laughs) I don't know why. Like you don't picture
2: me like on a golf course. No, well I know you're in
1: shipping, and so I always think like, oh, before he was here, he ran like a group in a warehouse.
2: Picture like the office Dunder Mifflin. Oh, I I was the guy below. The warehouse. You were like Andy. Oh, the guy below the warehouse. You just compared me to Andy. The nard dog, he's the best. Oh my gosh, I don't know if we can do this anymore.
1: I can't tell if this is good or bad.
2: It's bad. Oh, okay. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk after. Yeah, but let's do that. I would have taken like Michael Scott, Jim Halpert. Creed. I would actually take Creed over Andy. <laughs> no offense. But
1: so you're not in a warehouse, <laughs> but you're running a shipping company.
2: Yeah, so um, we just we, it was all inside sales, did that for a while. And uh, Dallin West, who uh, runs the market down there with me, he had been chirping in my ear for about a year and I gave him nothing but the cold shoulder so that was awesome
0: but well, hold on what when he would chirp at you what was he saying
2: oh just he would send me pay stubs like hey I two grand this week three uh, three grand this week and obviously it's
0: this is two and a half years ago just like dude like I was like was it borderline affecting your friendship with him
2: Uh, kind of a little bit like he was a little bit annoying but. Like, you felt no. like
0: you were getting
2: hit up by an MLM. <laughs> no, I mean, I think it always feels a, a little bit like that, but no, I mean, I, I knew Dallin back in college and it was great, but the, the, the screenshots he was sending me, it was, it was more money than what I was making in Utah. Like, I, I was doing well in Utah. I mean, I was probably my pride and joy was that I was golfing three to four times a week. Yeah. Uh, just, you know, living in Orem and just coming home to the, to the family, and it was great. So I was definitely in a very comfortable state, uh, I don't know if I was progressing that much, which is probably which eventually led to me getting that itch that I needed to scratch. Because I think progression is happiness, so I think that's he, uh, what I
1: need to. I heard of you long before you actually signed up, because he would say we we have. You know, we always tell our DMs to have like a wish their, list. Their wish list. Yeah. Their working with list. Their signed list, and then they're like gone but not forgotten list. Mm-hmm. You're probably teetering between wish and gone but not forgotten yeah. depending on your responses. Yeah,
2: Dallin, sorry, uh, Dallin and Maddie actually jokes just still to this day. When I finally agreed to fly out with Sarah, Dallin and Maddie thought that we were just using it for a free vacation because we asked zero questions, and they're like, "Hey, so what do you think?" And it's like, we do that Yeah,
0: too yeah
2: <laughs> this is cool." And they in no way thought that I would make the jump with Sarah, but we did. But it's, it's
1: kind of a testament to um, ambitiously recruiting. Yeah. Because you, you did, like you had like, you were tracking like the kind of like track that most people, you know, you graduate school, you get a job, you move up the ranks, you get to have some balance between work and life, but initially not interested, right? Like yeah. most of the people that are like high level recruits, they have other things mm-hmm. going yeah. on. But it's funny that you were that, were that person and
0: now you pursue those people.
1: Yeah. you know.
0: How many people are out there that, that we haven't recruited yet that are just waiting for another opportunity? And I, like recently, and you guys know um, Scott Anderson up in Fresno, right? He was, yeah. a, he was a guy that I met 20 years ago. Happened to be driving through Boston and we just got taught and he was like crushing it at his other company he was at. Yeah. But he hated his job. Hmm. And then we hang out one night and uh, we start talking work and then like six months later, he's working for us out in Fresno. Yeah, there's so many stories like that. There's so many, there's like so many guys yeah. like that, right? And yeah. so um, it's crazy that you're like you're in that same category where I'm sure Dallin probably just thought, oh, never in a million years will Taylor make this jump and then all of a sudden.
2: Here I am. Yeah, I've, it's actually pretty surprising. I've been surprised by how willing people are just to hear something out. Mhm. Um, so that's, that's, what's kind of helped me in my ventures of getting, you know, cause we have a massive office. So we got a handful of, uh, people there that came from outside of the industry. And I think that's just kind of helped me. It just, I think, I think if everyone just got rid of that fear a little bit, I think we'd start to land a lot more, you know,
1: well, it's the same fear that you get with knocking doors. Like the second you get over whatever's in your head about the way you approach people, it's actually the most effective way to do it. If you yeah. can give me. 15 homeowners that all have the same power problem on a street and I can just go talk to them. Mm-hmm. Right, it, it, once you get over the stigma, it's like if there were, if this was not like shown to me as the way to do it, this is probably the way I would ultimately end up doing it because it's faster and better. Yeah. And it's the same thing when you recruit people. Like initially you think, oh there's gonna be this stigma or whatever, but at the end of the day you can look at people and say listen you're really sharp. How satisfied with you are, or how satisfied are you with your upper mobility, with your ability to earn, and most ambitious people, if you can show them an opportunity where they would earn more and influence more, they'll listen,
0: Yeah. right? We should consider this our official PSA to all Vivint Solar reps and That's leadership. Right. So <laughs> what are the four categories again, Ty? If you're, if you're listening and you wanna grow in this company, you, we need to have you go through your Facebook list, your contacts list, your Instagram list, your friends from all your past jobs, whatever, and categorize them into what, what are the four categories? Which list? your wish list and is these what? are the
1: people that are like who would who would be great regardless of what you think right no these matter what Taylor they're doing Jones. you're just like who'd I don't be
0: care great. what he's doing he would be or she or she would be really good at this job yeah
1: I've In got hard. a couple of those that I think of as you say that right um, the second one is my working with these are the people I've contacted right and maybe they're like Taylor and they agree to fly out okay cool now he moves into working yeah. with you're committed as these are the people that you got to like now they're on board I got to get them finalized and develop and then
2: gone but not forgotten and those people that you're working with it's important to understand that it, it always takes longer than what you think so yeah. if you if you think they're gone they're not it's you just got to reach back out to them maybe it's been a month maybe it's been three months like they're they're never totally gone
1: how long was your your process
2: I mean Dallin started. Calling me and texting me like a year prior to me even checking it out. Mm-hmm. And so he would reach out to me for like a couple days and then I would respond a little bit and then I just wouldn't respond. So then he'd kind of back off a little bit. And then, you know, after probably at the end of a quarter when they would, you know, have all of these cool things happen, he would reach out again. And cool
1: things like a pay scale change yeah. or a party or an event or a competition yeah. or something, just, whatever. Just send me
2: random pictures. So it's, it's it's very easy to be proactive and just send, just because we, I mean, I speak for people here in, in San Diego, it's just, it's, we love living here just because of the weather and stuff mm-hmm. like this. So it's, it's, there's so many ways just to be, just to show other people that you're happy and you like working with people that are your friends. Yeah.
1: You know? So what was the, once you finally committed and came down, the thing that, that I've always respected about you is you're very ambitious, not in an arrogant way, but you knew you wanted to lead, you knew you wanted to grow, very quickly and you've had that. So when you started out, what was your what was your thought process? Like what was going through your head? Did you deal with like maybe the insecurity of I've never done this before oh, or yeah. was it all? Absolutely. So
0: you'd never done any door to door really?
2: No, uh, a funny thing. So the only like door to door, I guess, atmosphere that I kind of dealt with, it wasn't door to door, but I sold alarms for Pinnacle for like,
1: This is news to me. Did you know Three weeks.
2: Well, because it was so short. Oh, okay. So when I was younger, I kind of had a stuttering problem. And sometimes like when I would get really nervous, it would kind of come back. And I was so nervous about selling alarms to people. Like I was so bad on the phone. I got fired like pinnacle or i got fired from pinnacle
0: nis, from wow. NIS yeah. Sales? Yeah.
2: wow yeah Judd, yeah wow this it is it this is a,
1: this this makes your story i've never told to anyone that actually it's not easy to get fired from <laughs> from inside it's like phone well, sales the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah like it
2: and they would like send me my recordings and it was so bad but I then get, i could get, get, get one of those you know what you probably could and i you know we might as well just listen to it just to yeah, give it that that's
1: yeah. really inspiring though because to look at where you are now, we'll go through the story, but to look at where you yeah. are now from starting at being fired for being insecure and like talking to people and stuff, yeah. like no matter what people are going through, like we all feel the weirdness a little bit, mm-hmm. but you had a lot more. When did you, uh, how, how young were you and you had a stuttering problem?
2: Oh, I mean, I was, little. you know, five to, I probably started to really grow out of it when I was like 10. Oh, okay. But it, it's funny because, you know, it's, it's like learning a language when I served a mission for my church in Guatemala I had to learn one or two different languages you mm-hmm. kinda of become a young kid again and it kinda of resurfaced for like oh, a year really? uh, and then That's you study crazy. it and you get better and then it slowly goes away and mm-hmm. so kind of every new venture that I've done like a like at when I first started like at, at Intuit Ship the, the the shipping company that I worked at I didn't start out running that sales for I was just a random rep mm-hmm. and I struggled with it there but the more you do something, the easier it gets and the more normal it gets. Mm-hmm. Um, and then slowly it went away. And I experienced the same thing coming down here. Like, I mean, it wasn't terrible, but I would definitely kind of fumble a little bit. But the more you do something, the more normal it gets. But... Um, so starting yeah. out, what was so like? Yeah, so starting out, um, having never, like, actually knocked doors before, I felt a ton of that, of, I guess, fear of, like, I'm recently got married I'm leaving a job where you know I wasn't making life-changing money but I was very comfortable around my family and so my, my thought process was if I'm gonna do this I better do it correctly and I better do it how it's designed which is to change my life and anything less than that it's not worth it to me and I'm just gonna go home
0: do you think the anxiety or the stuttering stem from anxiety and then if so or I guess how do you when you first start a door to door, because yeah. that's a whole different ballgame than inside yeah. sales, right? So face to face, I think there's just a different level of like intensity to it. Oh yeah. So when you start, how did you manage through the anxiety of, you know, those first doors every day and, and even today, how do you do you still get that kind of pit in your stomach when you go out?
2: Um, not not so much anymore. I think the way that I combated that, it's 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 not gonna be like sexy at all. It's it's just Memorization. I just got so familiar with it. By it, I mean the door pitch, because I got a, a door pitch from Dallin long before I went out there. And I, I still, I, I logged my hours in like, because I wrote it out and I would just calculate how long I sp- I mean, I spent hundreds of hours going over the pitch so that by the time I got out there, it was second nature. So I didn't have to rely on much just to kind of get it out.
1: That's an interesting sense. point. I was listening to a podcast. I've actually trained some of the teams on this. Um, it's David Allen. He's the guy that started like, the, the get things done movement. He's written books on like efficiency and stuff like that. But when you first start, this is especially true in a sales job. Um, most of our new reps will say what? They'll say, I need to, I need to know everything about the product and then I'll feel comfortable mm-hmm. yeah. selling it. But the crazy thing is he says that if you just start doing the action, yeah, just subscribe to the process, your confidence goes up, right? Which as a salesperson, that's our number one currency. If you can get confidence, that, that's the most important thing, right? Yep. So he says you start doing the thing. So in your case, it's writing out your pitch, it's putting the hours into it. Confidence goes up. When your confidence goes up, you're more open to instruction. So your your competence actually follows the confidence. Yep. Most people think that's reverse. Most people think you become more competent then you have more confidence. But he says, and your story is a good example of that, you start, you do the hours, you get used to it, and then as you do the thing with confidence, the competence yep. starts, and eventually, you're on a whole different level. If you can just stay consistent in the process, the confidence and competence, w- it kind of whips you into this other level. Well, and the I mean? no-
0: it's the knowledge. that. So they always say, like, you gotta have confidence to make sales, but a lot of times you need a sale or two or some success to get confident, yeah. right? So there's this weird like mm-hmm. cycle. And they the what I was always taught is the way to sort of get in that cycle is the knowledge. So it's like the more you study, the more you practice your pitch, you put in the time, now all of a sudden you have the confidence to go out and get the action going.
2: It's, it's so basic, but when push comes to shove, like when we're in the thick of it, it's it, it does take discipline just to actually do it. So did
1: you see yourself as a leader immediately when you came in just like a leader that hadn't got the sales yet? Like did you see okay? That's the level I should be at. I just don't have the career
2: capital yet Yeah, who
0: yeah were, I Who th- were your DMS when you first started
2: my my DMS when I, um, a lot of them don't work here anymore But the ones that still work here are Taylor Turnbull and Dallin West. Yeah,
0: got it Yeah, so you started as a rep and to kind of tie into Ty's question you saw yourself as a leader Yeah um, but you have these guys at the top. So in your mind, did you see this pathway to kind of crash the leadership party?
2: Yeah, yeah, I did. Um, I think the first thing, I don't know, I, th- I think it's really important whenever you get into something new, it's, I think the key to life is acknowledgement. And I acknowledge that I've had zero solar cells, even though I think it might be a little prideful, but I felt like I could be at that level when I looked at my, my fellow and dms and also, um, I mean, big shout out to them, uh, to Taylor and Dallin. They also did give me a very clear path, uh, and that's obviously very important. But I understood that I need to earn the influence before I get the position, and um, I, I should be chasing influence instead of chasing those titles. And so, I the way that I thought about it was, if I get in here and if I beat everyone long enough. It's gonna work out, and eventually I will be there. It doesn't really matter when. Mm. Um, the longer that I can just beat everybody else, it's gonna be a very easy transition. It's weird that that's comforting. Like it's like that's relaxing to say, okay,
1: all I have to do is is beat everybody, and I don't really need to worry about yeah. the career map because so many people are like, okay, well, how long do I have to sustain what kind of volume in order to get the position? But the answer <coughs> is always, I mean, you nailed it. You have, to, you have to get the influence. And so the answer is when you have enough influence. Yeah. But I think, I think focusing on the end result, it's just stressful, especially in a sales job. If you say to yourself, okay, I'm gonna do more volume than anybody else and eventually
2: I'll end up where I need to be. And in the meantime, I'm gonna be rewarded for it. Like that's, that's one of the cool unique things about the job is it does allow you to relax and just control what you can control if I do this for a long enough period of time, I'm gonna get uh, rewarded for it.
0: A lot of guys get hung up on a specific number, right? They're like, what what exactly do I have to hit? And I always say, well, the problem is it's kind of a moving target because you're not just competing against a specific number, you're competing against everybody else in your office, everyone else in the region, you're competing against it's a curve that you're competing against, right? Mm -hmm. So you can't just be, hey, if I hit 21 installs, am I gonna be a DM? Well, not if the guy next to you has 28 installs two quarters in a row, right? Then he's gonna get that spot over you. So so you have to just not only get focused on a number, it's, I gotta just beat everybody and make the decision for the people above you rather than constantly like, you know, trying to negotiate your way into a leadership role. Like leadership just sort of happens organically, right? It was fun for me because I watched it happen. So I was thinking, you remember that um,
1: X
2: Factor show, with Simon Cowell, like the American mm-hmm. Idol oh, yeah. kind of show, right? That's that. By the way, that's all I do. I watch like those auditions where they like try to make you cry, and mm-hmm. I'm one of those guys that cry. You just, you get. Like, I'm totally just, a, I'm just a wait, sucker for you those. You purposely
0: watch them just to cry. Golden, like, you're like, like, you know, what, I need a good cry. May- maybe watch military homecomings. And I watch. I'm gonna not watch not to military cry. homecomings. You're like the boy doesn't know what emotion is.
2: It comes from this job, you know. I've just got so much built up. I need to release it. Well, the thought
1: is this though, like if you were to say on X Factor, like, hey, what do I have to do to get the deal? What do I have to do to be the one? It's like, do I, how long should my song be? What kind of pitch, like how good do I have to do? What they're looking for is somebody that comes out and they're just like, just takes their breath away. The page, yeah. Right. yeah. And the cool thing for me is I was almost like in a, we'll call it the judge's seat when you came on board, right? Like you came in and uh, you know you had, you had your reputation had been built up. Like, hey, this guy will be really good. I've known him for a long time if we can just get him. Yeah. Uh, but then you came in and it was like, okay, you had class separating performance. You you literally came in and you did the things, right? But then you started to recruit people. Yeah. You took chances. I mean, your brother came out. You started you started doing all the things and eventually it's almost like, well, clearly he's the one. He has the influence. It's like X Factor. The crowd likes him. I feel something. You're in.
2: Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Something that was probably the most satisfying to me was I still remember the meeting and the Conference where they announced when I was being promoted, and I had no idea. It's mm-hmm. when uh, Hamish came, the, yeah. the principal. Relentless principal, Yeah. And what was very fulfilling to me after they announced it, and you kind of do like that victory lap, and everyone's coming to say, did a little, Good job. Victory lap <laughs> I remember there was yeah. like, well, you
0: announced him as a DM. Yeah. But there s- was hooting and hollering. Something and stuff. that's always awesome.
2: stuck with me, and, and it's a lesson that I'm going to take into other areas of my life. But I considered it a very big compliment when multiple people came and said, I thought you were already a DM. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, like, this is news to me. And, and to me, what that was kind of bearing its testimony to me saying that I had earned that influence, yeah. and it was natural. Yeah. The title, the title really doesn't mean anything in direct sales. It's,
1: I mean, we could have called you a DM before you got here and earned the influence, but nobody would have followed. Yeah. You got the influence on your own, and so the title was kind of like a foregone conclusion thing. It's like, well, yeah, that just, that makes sense.
0: something i'm kind of curious about so i don't you know on the east coast i don't work with you a whole lot um i know i've seen you on some of the the big trips that we've done and that kind of stuff so taylor always is like the fun guy from what i can tell i see him like interacting with (laughs) the other dms it's like always making everybody laugh um we had the dance party you crushed the dance. uh, oh that was good the dance party (laughs) did what the inchworm
2: yeah that was good. Uh, inch, and I I feel like I need to clear something the up. I feel different. like the the inchworm's like the
1: No, yeah, that's that's he did. <laughs> the what was the worm. what was the, yeah. the other one?
2: The It's the Hulk I honestly smash. don't know. It's it's all a blur, but I feel like <laughs> I feel like a lot of those guys felt cheated in that round. I honestly feel like Brennan gave me that round just so that it wouldn't be a sweep. So I just want to give props <laughs> to whoever won that round. We take that one
0: pretty serious on the East Coast. Yeah, and I, mean, and I could Zach, tell. Felipe, Zach, I, could tell I right mean, we, we actually had some training and stuff going on. Like oh, yeah. leading up to that trip. Oh, yeah. So, um, but my question is, I feel like we have a lot of guys that are a ton of fun, but they don't know how to balance the fun guy and, um, you know, when it's time to kind of be the boss. Yeah, so you have really great relationships with a lot of people you work with and a lot of those come from Being the fun guy and just making everybody laugh and all that kind of stuff So how do you how do you incorporate your personality and you don't lose who you are as a person but also? Know kind of when it's time to be the boss and you know, kind of work through that as a leader.
2: Uh, I think That's a great question. I think that is doctrine. I think everything is beautiful in in its own season and so there is a time for everything. I think there's a difference between being like a fun person versus a, a safe person. A safe person has, I mean, to me, I think it's very, for my personality, I think it's my natural tendency is to be the fun guy. That's just how I've always been. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think I shine in moments like that, speaking of the dance party, sure. right? Like that might make someone like, I don't want to do that, I never would I want to do that. With me, it's like, heck yeah, Is your right? your
0: opportunity to like, kind of make a name for yourself. Kind of, you know. Like, just shine at who you are.
2: Yeah, and so I think there's, but on the other side of that, um, I think people that are good at being the boss or people, or getting people to follow them um, it's because they have character. And character is doing what you say you are gonna do. And sometimes you gotta step away from the fun guy because the fun guy usually does what's easiest and, what, and what's the most fun, mm-hmm. right? And this job, not all the time, is fun. Um, and so I would think of someone trying to do that was just to understand that there's, there's power in doing what you say you are gonna do. It's possible to be the fun guy but also be a very high producer. And you just got to find the time to do that.
0: So kind of one follow-up question to that is, from my experience, I see a lot of guys who are kind of that fun guy. They um, they love making people laugh. They tend to be, they have very high emotional, like highs oh, and yeah. lows. So do you, are you that way? Do you have high emotional highs and lows? Or do, are you able to say, I can still be the fun guy, but still be even kill when it comes to my work and oh, yeah. kind of manage through those emotional peaks and valleys?
2: Yeah, that's a great question, and I think a lot of people uh, have this. Um, I think I've gotten better at it over time. I think it's a skill that you can talk about and learn. I think, like, when I was a new rep, you know, everyone thinks of sales, it's like, hey, I'm, I'm very personable. I'm gonna cultivate a, a relationship with that person, and we're just gonna be so buddy-buddy, and then they're gonna do the sale with me, right? Um, I had to learn very, very quickly, like my version of building rapport with a customer it's I'm not that guy that's at the dance party doing the inchworm uh, the build the way that I build rapport with my customers is they know that I, I'm busy and I'm not gonna waste their time because I'm all business actually like I, I build rapport for about 30 seconds or less and then I get in and do it so um, I, I think it's it's been an ongoing process with me but I def and I tell my reps this all, all the time like because they, I obviously knock with reps and I train reps, but not every rep sees me every day on the doors. But um, in front of the team, when we're coming into correlation, I'm that fun guy. But we do tell them all the time, like I am completely opposite on the doors. And it takes hundreds of times, hundreds of hours to practice honing in. that skill. at least for me, right? Because I think I'm on that extreme side of that spectrum. Uh, it, it does just take a lot of time and efforts to separate those and com- compartmentalize. We all have those
0: stories of the guy who are like, oh, he would kill it. He's so much fun. And then he flops. He's a blast. Why do they flop?
2: I think they flop because, I well, a lot of reasons. But some possible reasons are the lack of time put in to master it. And they run on emotion, like like what you brought up, instead yeah, of... they
0: used to things coming, coming easy Oh, yeah. Yeah. What?
1: Well, You know, I see this maybe from a different perspective that Taylor does, because I have, I know the people that you're talking about that sometimes they are just on the floor. Judd doesn't go to the floor. We've had struggles and you've had things that have, times that are hard, because this is obviously a hard job, but he doesn't, there's a high level of emotional maturity there, and so, it's some people you're right they're like have to be having fun all the time but then when you really start to twist the screws yeah. you realize that hey you, you don't have a strong enough foundation here mm. I correct me if I'm wrong you have a really strong foundation and you came into it with even the mentality you were talking about before where you said I don't really care how long this takes I'm gonna beat everybody there's there's kind of like an inner confidence and calm that says hey I voiced my concern like we talk a lot about growth like how do I grow yeah. okay so voice the concern and now I know he's gonna go on and do those things but he's not gonna get frustrated two weeks later or when there's some problem inevitably like there is with a customer or with a team or something like that. I've never picked Judd up off the floor. And there are certain people that that's, they need, a, they need to strengthen that foundation. So I would say even if they're listening and. You know I used to be the fun guy in the offices that used to be my role yeah I'm now I don't know maybe I'm just like an old dad now or something yeah. but we just don't like
0: you that much anymore maybe either. I'm
1: just maybe I'm not as fun as I thought <laughs> I was no, but it's not I, my role anymore listen,
0: you know yeah. you have to know your weaknesses yeah so if you know you're not the fun guy anymore you got to make sure you hire or like bring fun guys bring around the fun you guys around time, so but That's the thing my I secret, is I'm like, I got, I'm not the hooting and hollering guy, but I know that guy's important, like in every office. Yeah. So I'm like, i got to make sure I recruit some of You just keep those Zach guys. all red close. Yeah.
1: Um, but the cool thing is, um, you do a great job managing with fun, because one of the theories that I have, and I'd like to hear your thoughts on this, yeah. is teams need certain things, right? They need recognition, they need um, development, like they need training and things like that. They need accountability, but they also need something to look forward to, always. Yeah. And I've been selling before, where um, we used to do this thing on one of my early sales teams. Do you remember that show, Wipeout? You remember Wipeout? Wipeout. Oh. Yeah, all time great. Just, just watching all time greatest highlights. shows. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So on Thursday night. How do they not get sued though? Like they, they, actually, they obviously have to sign something. Okay. Yeah, yeah. How just is that
0: show like not still just oh. killing it? That's Dude, like at the, the end, best end of the day, best show ever. American
2: entertainment. Yeah. It's just just like I don't want to think.
1: I just want to watch this <laughs> housewife get <getting>, get <getting laughs> nailed with scorpion big balls.
0: Yeah. I mean, I feel like. We've stole every one of those shows has been stolen from China. Yeah, yeah but, from like the um, <laughs> and <laughs> their shows are like way more intense than ours. So, so how do we do that as an incentive? Yes. So, so back to Wipeout. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> right. um,
1: we would get together on Thursday nights and watch Wipeout. So it'd be like forty of us crammed in an apartment. We watch Wipeout, and it's a small thing, but I looked forward to it because sometimes mm-hmm. I'd be out working. I'd be like, it's four o'clock. It's crazy hot, dude. It's Wipeout night. Wipe yeah. out pizza. You guys have the things that you do with the bigs, you also have, um, you know, you break records, you do, there is an effective way to manage fun. And I once heard that, I don't know who said the quote, but um, winning teams have fun and losing teams have meetings. Yeah. So I want to hear kind of your take on it, because you do have a very effective way to, to put your personality into the way you do your work.
2: Yeah. Um, and I think that's probably one of the biggest things that's, that separates San Diego South from a lot of different offices is, uh, and I think uh, Taylor Turnbull's done an excellent job of, of building that at the start. And then he's brought on people that share that same vision to help keep it going because it is a full-time job. You have to be very much engaged all the time. Um, so, I mean, so
0: fun isn't something that happens by accident. No, it's by it's, design. It is
2: calculated and it is yep. fun, and uh, it, it's fun, obviously. It, it's calculated and it is <clears throat> intentional and it's planned out. And so, it takes, like, number one, if if you're a DM or a, an up and comer in, in an office right now and you're asking yourself that question how do I make mm-hmm. my reps feel like they're having more fun? How do I get that camaraderie going? Um, A couple things that I would say is like little mini incentives for a very specific group of people goes a very long way and when someone hits it, you talk about that person and reward that person in front of the whole office. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's been times, and Ty knows this, where if I'm trying to focus on a combine rep and he's either going through something or she's doing really, really well. I will reach out to Ty and say, hey, can you do me a favor? Um, just reach out to this rep, you're our VP, like I'll start a text thread. I would love for you just to say something to this person. Like it's so, so small. And I it,
1: love, don't you love that?
2: Like, Easiest thing I've ever. Easiest, it's And so most easy. effective. It's what mm-hmm. I want
1: to spend all my time doing. Yep. Yeah. Uh, S- I mean?
2: uh, Simon Sinek, he has this clip. And, and ever since I watched it, I try to think about that every single time as I open up the door to our office. Um, and I think you show this to us. It's when, whenever someone comes to your office or comes to you, they're, they're asking three questions. Mm-hmm. The first one is, "Do you like me?" The second one is, uh, "Can you help me?" And the third one is, "Can I trust you?" Right? Yeah. It wasn't cynic.
1: It was, um,
2: oh, Maxwell. There it yes. is.
0: Yes. I apologize. Powerful. You're such. A, I mean, powerful really, though. You had to do that. Well, I'm just you saying. Had to hey, do that to Taylor. Ty's
2: <laughs> not the fun guy. Right? Yeah, dude. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> Please. Who am I? Then?
0: Ty. Just Um, let
1: it
2: roll. Listen (laughs) back to the point our friend was making (laughs) you were saying. Yeah. So, um, it can be very, very small like that. Um, and it also helps to, uh, assign someone in your office who's in charge of those things. Mm -hmm. And it'd be awesome to assign maybe not one of the DMS or someone that is an up and comer because people just want to feel involved. They want to feel a part of something. Um, you know, when I was in Guatemala we would assign like a new church member, like, hey, you're in charge of just standing at the door and smiling and shaking someone's hand. Like it's so so small, but when people feel like they're a part of something bigger, mm-hmm. that's when they feel willing to make sacrifices and be and be disciplined for that cause.
0: Totally. Well there's there's managers that, you know, they'll rule with fear, right? Where they'll say, Hey, if you're late, it costs you X or you have to do yeah. push ups or that whatever. Um, and I've always kind of told the managers that I work with, I'm like, just make your meetings so fun and so important that people want to show up 15 yeah. minutes early because they don't want to miss when the ball drops. Right. You know yeah. what I mean? Like when that ball drops, like everyone wants to be in their seat because they don't want to miss the show. Yeah, yeah. the, the it's question like,
1: should be why aren't they coming? Yeah, not yeah. How are why you are, are they late? They don't
0: them. think your, your correlation is important enough, yeah. right? Yeah. So it's like when the ball drops, they should be like, chomping at the bit to see what the dms i mean it's like it's a show that's about to start and um and i already know this from from knowing taylor and then knowing you like every correlation meeting i feel like the most effective meetings are ones where they have to laugh almost every meeting they have to laugh and it has to be something they just look forward to coming to they need to learn something and then they need to leave motivated to go to work right three l's Laugh, laugh laugh learn, learn, learn
1: and leave feeling good lfg leave, leave
0: nice.
2: motivated you did the,
1: the amc top 3 <laughs> yeah
2: and, and like a, a really good like this is a perfect example so w- in san diego south we kind of we kind of find the middle ground with that is like when, when when people are late, we have this wheel of just like yeah. funny things to yeah. do. So we're like, is, is it fear? No, it's 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 very to light. It. They yeah. to just to do something funny. And
1: what was your thing the other day? You guys had a new one the other day, didn't you?
2: Oh yeah, yeah, so that's the example that, that I want to give. So Mike Evans was giving this awesome training and everyone who, show, who showed up late, um, he just wrote their name down. Like it, it wasn't like this big thing like you're late, uh, but, So Mike served his mission in Japan and he was talking about all these, you know, like this exercise that his friends would do there. And so he made everyone who was late, he pulled up a video of people doing it. Like a Tai Chi? Yeah, yeah. And it it was hilarious. People weren't embarrassed. He was smiling and laughing and people were were filming. It's it's little things like that that keep people coming back. Mm -hmm. So one of my favorite um, stories in line with this, Judd stories,
1: is before you were a DM, and, you know, you're thinking about if you want to grow and you don't let yet have the position, but you want to contribute to your team, what can yep. you do? Uh, I don't remember who the group was. Maybe it was with the whole office, but Judd was really motivated to hit franchise. And he said, okay, this week there's going to be a competition. If anybody beats me, I will shave my head. And let me look at this hair. You don't <laughs> just shave it. You think about it. Like, do I, you know what I
0: mean? He's not shaving that head. But it, I, I, I'll tell you I this. I remember that week. I
1: remember... Uh, Turnbull reaching out to me and being like, isn't, this, isn't Judd just awesome? And I remember thinking, like, that is the most helpful thing because people expect you as the leader to be like, okay, here's an incentive. But when somebody like within the group, it's almost like my kids. Like when my son compliments my daughter, I'm like, thank you. That's <laughs> it's the best thing for the family. It's the yep. best thing for culture. But if the guys, I mean compliments to you guys because your team has created an environment where people want to be there, such that there's individuals in the team saying, all throughout an incentive. Yeah, I want someone to chase me. So talk about that. Do you see people doing that now? Yeah,
2: yeah. Um, Ellis did one uh, the other, and Ellis is our up uh, our up and comer. He's he's doing between you know fourteen to twenty one incels a quarter. Everyone in the office knows who he is, and people look to him as a, as a leader. So he's. He's he's done one of those. Uh, we also did one during like the big chase me thing. He did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did that uh, during during the big. I, I don't know what we have like why we're so obsessed with shaving heads, uh, <laughs> but uh, we, we we had like a, a double way incentive. So where if if the office hit a certain metric, both Taylor and I were gonna shave our heads. But then we also have a guy named Sean Maloney. He's awesome. Like shout out to Sean. Mm-hmm. But if, if we hit a different metric, or if we failed to hit the metric, he would, he's bald, he would have to wear a toupee. Like same thing that-, that <laughs> I that, thought that you were to say he had to grow out like the no, Hulk Hogan or no. something. So he would have to wear a wig for like a week and like make a sale in it. So but like
1: a nice wig, one where oh, yeah. it's like,
2: wow. So it's just- You're wearing a wig, you know? it's, it's, And, and that's, that's a great point that you brought up. So for in, anyone that's in an office that's new that wants to make a name for themselves, Doing something as simple as like, hey, anyone who beats me, I'm taking to lunch next week. It, it could be so simple and so small, mm-hmm. but it, it's, it just it keeps on giving.
1: Yeah, and that's the act as if, right? Yeah. And then eventually that's why it's natural. When people yeah, you don't have like, to wait oh, to get promoted
0: to start doing cool stuff with people. And the, the best people in your office, best reps in an office are the ones who will rally other reps around them to yeah. work hard together, right? Like they'll have a small, g- and a small inner group and they're like, hey guys, let's let's the four of us crush it this week. And they just yeah. do it without the DMs even talking to them or asking them to yeah.
1: do it. Well, and it's funny sitting next to Adam because Adam was here when, when I started selling. Like he was already here running the Boston team when I came in and started running the Thousand Oaks team. And uh, he shared with me some information that helped me get going. And we also took, he had this new rep packet that he had like made up before we had any kind of sales training or anything wicked sola (laughs) it was called s-o-l-a-h wicked sola (laughs) Uh, i forgot about that but um
0: it's my first book
1: wicked sola dude it was 12 stapled pages no but he gave it to me i took it
0: spiral bound thank you staple oh i did not get the spiral bound
1: bound. anyways i took it and, and then i progressed that but that was the company was built off of people saying, I made this, this might help some people. Or, hey, I'm trying to be competitive. We used to throw out East and West like competitions all the time. We had to kind of stop because they it turned into gang it's wars a little bit. Yeah. But um, <laughs> that's the kind of thing that I actually appreciate and would love to see more of in 2020 is people just taking the initiative because they'll gain influence which will actually help them. But it's the most effective <coughs> thing for the business and it makes it fun. It, it's yeah. not fun to see a handful of guys trying to start a culture. It's fun to contribute to it and be the one. We got to get Sean in that wig too, by the way. Oh,
2: if he starts wig culture, it's it's like, definitely coming. Him and Castle Keeler. yeah, oh yeah. yeah. And, and like a very guys. good example of what you just said. Um, so like when when Castle came on, he just started calling reps on his way to and from area. No one asked him to do that. Reps
1: just in the office. Yeah.
2: Mm. Right, and because it got him going, because. It it, it helped him, but also it helped people see Castle as that leader, Mm -hmm. and then it just naturally progressed, and look at where he is now. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, so it's
0: it's so easy. i got to get this off my chest. I'm sick of San Diego South, one of the bigs. Sick of it. That's a hard sickness to have. (laughs) There's no signs signs of it getting any better. I was
2: hoping we weren't going to have any of this, but it's it's all right. It's (laughs)
0: happening. So... Obviously Boston North Chicago Orlando or the three big teams on the East Coast. Yeah, that, uh, you know Have you guys in their sights next year? Yeah, so I'm asking you to okay. Let us behind the curtain Okay, like you know, this is me coming to Belichick saying, give us your playbook Okay, so how it's like do it's you all and how do and you flickers How do you guys how do you guys do it every single year? Because I think there's this misconception that like oh They, you know, they all they transfer guys to their office for like this whatever, and it's not. You guys just recruit like crazy, but there's got to be some strategy to it. I mean, you don't don't just. And the thing is that um, I've been so impressed with is from watching from afar, is I know how hard it is to manage a team at a really high level for a long period of time. Mm -hmm. Um, And when I was doing it, when we first opened up Boston. Like, people would come and go out of your team all the time, and as a manager, you're like, I have to figure out how to replace that production immediately, and I got to keep recruiting and keep training guys and keep bringing guys up. So um, what you guys have done has been incredible, so tip of the cap. But uh, Walk us through kind of your strategy behind it. I mean, when does the bigs start for San Diego South? <laughs> um,
2: well, prior to me getting into that, I just want to... Talk about your guys' teams real quick. You guys slammed it, and we did not sleep for two weeks. So the effort that you guys put forth was amazing, and so congrats on. Yeah,
0: well, same. We didn't sleep either. was <laughs> so the worst. Both
1: both of us <laughs> kind of hibernated a couple weeks after that. I think oh yeah. You know, Ty and I like.
0: didn't talk for probably two weeks. <laughs> it's after probably that best. Over, it's yeah. probably best that we did. So um, um, yeah, no, I think that was probably the best bigs we've ever had, though, right? I oh mean, yeah. And in in was... terms of
2: production and engagement and everything. Um every year we don't think that we can top the previous one. Mm-hmm. Um I think one of the thing, and um one thing that we always talk about is like it's it's year round for us. Um I think everyone has their own personal brand that, that they love and just the reality is a brand that we have is that we win the bigs. Plain so and simple. So it's Yeah, it's, it's four it's years. It's not ago. something
0: that you talk about. Come July, it's oh you're it's, talking about today. We in talk
2: about like we have a hashtag that says five Pete, like like we're already talking about it. Like in our meeting where Ty was, uh, where we gave away all the cash and all the crazy incentives, is uh, we talk about okay. Well, now we have to do five because we can't just do four. Like we have to do four is weird, and so yeah, it's, it's just a weird number, right? Yeah. So I uh, in it's it's year round for us. Um, January we're we never know exactly when the bigs is, is going to be. So, I mean, especially like six months prior to the bigs, we meet and we're like, okay, we need to have X amount of reps doing X amount of volume that we don't have currently. Um, and so we just, we do multiple recruiting pushes uh, at different times in the year. Um, we, we don't transfer people over. It's just like we, we bring people in. I mean, our office has, like we just, after you know letting some reps go, we still have eighty-five people yes. currently so right
1: now. Yeah, it's a it's a cool culture to see because um, also Maxwell, but he says if you want to measure the efficiency of a leader, ask him to enact positive change. Think about that. How many people can you say, okay, let's shift this, and they can actually do it? You know what yeah. I mean? But when when I look at, um, I went and closed some accounts with reps, and so I got to see like the like the core of the core. Like these people are new and they got recruited to hey, we have this contest, it's really important. It's part of our culture. It starts in October. We expect everybody to, to this have is part of your interview right?
0: process. You're like, hey, we're the bigs is something yeah. we do. Like you're being recruited to help us win the bigs. It's
1: in their shirts, logos. I mean it's part of like if you look at like their brand book, it it's in it's it's literally like Nike's thing is innovation. Right, It's their core. But I got to um, close with um, Taysha Polson. Taysha, that's right. Yeah, I went and closed an account with Taysha. She was a husband and wife had come to San Diego during the summer, Mm -hmm. and uh, it was her first welcome call. We went and closed it. And she was posting to the group, like, hey, I'm gonna get a welcome call today. I went and helped her. And she's like, I contributed to the bigs. So that, to your guys' credit, the the most, I think, incredible thing is it's not that you strategize so well. It's that for some reason, Taysha Poulsen, Poulsen, right? Yeah. Felt the need to contribute that day. Mm. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's like, th- man, that's just electric.
2: Like, to be a part of that group where everyone's like, I got one. And everyone's like, good job, Tisha, yeah.
1: and all that kind of yeah, stuff. I, yeah.
2: I feel like we do a really good job about um, helping people feel and understand their worth and their value to the team. Like, we could not have won that competition again if everyone wasn't out there doing it. Mm-hmm.
0: So, this year, I noticed that you guys didn't run the table through the regular season. You oh, guys yeah. had a... I would say for you, a fairly like below average mm-hmm. regular season, right? You lost a couple rounds, whatever. Um, and then the playoffs start and then the, the switch flips. So when I was in high school, I was thinking about this. I'm like, I wonder if these guys did the old uh, um, like, you know, rah rah speech. I was in high school and my high school football coach had us all stand in the weight room and we had mirrors around the whole weight room and mm-hmm. we, we all had to stand in a big thing and look at the mirror. And he like gave us this big like you know Tony Robbins speech, and then he had the game film of our opponent, and he just chucked it against the wall, and like <laughs> the videotape explodes. <laughs> the VHS. Like, I, got, I had a piece of like <laughs> I had my helmet on, so like a piece of shrapnel like hit me in the yeah, helm, yeah. and I was like, Ugh. but um, you were just so fired up, right? But it's this like artificial emotion that like gets yeah. you going crazy. So did you guys have to do like I mean you came into the playoffs as what like a three seed or yeah. whatever, and first time ever you weren't a one seed. Yeah. So, what was the did you guys have to give the old brave speech or what happened?
2: Um I think all I'll say is everything is intentional. It's about peaking at the right time <clears throat> when we have a group that's so large uh, and we've done this before and so we know how hard it is to keep cuz every every bigs win we've done it's kind of been a different story. Like the first bigs that w- they won before I even got there, they were the last seed and that was the story of a, of an underdog and then uh, when i was there the first time we ran the table and the third time we ran the table and we went like our mission was to go undefeated um, and we just felt like we had so many people gunning for us um, and just the team was just a different dynamic and just a lot more people we understood that it was going to be very difficult to keep kind of like what you said, it's very hard to get a large team performing at a high level yeah. for a long period of time. Like the bigs went on for a long time. So yeah. it, it, it's about peaking at, at the right time. And so everything was intentional. We would write down our goals. This is what we're doing this week. This is what we're gonna do that week. And this is what we're gonna do the last week. And we did it.
0: Well, We had what um, an average week of our top teams, like you guys on the West, Boston, North Chicago, on the East their best weeks they were doing around a 100 welcome calls right yeah I think that round the Boston North San Diego South round the semifinals mm-hmm. there was what almost three was there 300 welcome calls that we had to audit and go through yeah, as a
2: yeah we had yeah we had a goal to do 100 welcome calls in a day a, a day and we did like 130 no
0: I think each team had 200 and something welcome calls each that yeah. week, right because it yeah. was a, a Saturday to right. Saturday that's right each team had like 240 welcome calls each. Yeah, And it was literally tied after eight days. It was tied and we're both just sitting there going, this is gonna be a nightmare. Yeah. To try and, <laughs> and audit everything, so. Um,
1: what would you say is one of the hardest lessons you've learned? If you look back on your last couple years, like a time where you've really had to uh, go through something or
2: feel something in order to, to become a better leader? Um, I'm glad you asked that question. Um, I think if, if you look at the best leaders in this company and, and if you look at the top producing reps and you put them in a line and if you tra- had to find one characteristic that they all kind of shared, because I, I, I have a personal experience about this, but um, they're all mentally tough. I think being a good rep, being a good leader uh, you need to be mentally tough and that's one of the things that I it's probably the strongest thing that I've learned from this job um, that good things come to those that can be mentally tough and it is a skill that you can develop I think we're all born with innate traits that maybe we all fall in a different spot on the mentally tough spectrum but there are there's one thing that I want to talk about that if if we understand a, a principle or two, we really can practice and be better at becoming mentally tough, which will make us a better rep, a better rep, and better leaders. Um, and th- this principle actually, it's it's so funny this job. Like I feel like everything that I say in this podcast, it's going to be it's something that I learned from one of my leaders, right? Um, we're just so blessed to be uh, surrounded by this. But um, the best training I received on this was by your brother Jordan um, a, a couple conferences ago he talked about um, uh, being mentally tough but what excuses really are mm-hmm. in this job we're constantly facing excuses unplanned things that take us off the doors um, and I think a mistake that we make as human beings Uh, and a mistake that we make a lot as being sales reps here is we're having the wrong conversation about excuses. What I mean by that is someone's in their area, they go out to their area and something unplanned comes up or they're just going through something. The conversation we're having in our mind is, is this a valid excuse or not? And then that's where the inner debate is and it's very easy because we'll tell ourselves any story to feel like it's a valid excuse to get off the doors, to go home early, to not go out and work,
1: to not hit franchise, to not the, to not yeah. hit franchise,
2: to not hit 14 installs a quarter. That's not the right conversation that we need to be having because every excuse that we have is 100% valid and it is true and it's a real good excuse. The reality is that it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter, clearly. So That's the conversation that we need to have. You need to have with yourself when you're in the area and your check engine light uh, comes on, or you get a phone call saying, "Hey, I I need you to come here for church or something." Right? The 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 debate inside your head shouldn't be, "Well, is this a valid excuse or not?" What I've done, I kind of ask myself, "Well, is this going to matter in six months?" That's great. You know, because it's like if me doing this, is that gonna make this day significant? And something that I kinda hang my Vivint Solar career on is probably the most powerful lesson that, that I've learned. Um, it actually happened in my first quarter, I believe. Um, and you might remember this because I sent you an email about it, you might not. So in long story short, it was Thursday night. I got a phone call from my granddad, Grandpa Frank. His personality was very kinda to himself. Uh, I spent a lot of time at at his house going up to shoot guns and ride horses and stuff. He gives me a call and says, "Hey, uh, I have cancer and I have two weeks to live." Um, I intentionally didn't tell anyone. I don't want to make a fuss. So if you can come and see me, that'd be great. <laughs> like so like that that's just Grandpa Frank's personality. So floored, yeah, right? floored me, right? Uh, get off the phone w- with my mom, uh, you know, and just my family, We're trying to plan a time for us to go back and see him like, like he's literally in hospice um, and the soonest flight that we can get at, or the flight to get out to Utah to drive up to Idaho uh, was on Saturday so there I am Thursday night floored and now I have a day in front of me to where I think the is this a valid excuse or not conversation would have gone you know my wife said well why don't you take tomorrow we got to pack we got to get everything in order uh, and then let's, let's just be dialed in and s- spend some time together uh, for us to go to mourn and go to be, be with your grandpa, which is kind of normal. Like if someone chose to do that.
0: No I, one would have no thought less. Of you no one
2: would have thought less. Yep. But the conversation I had with my wife was, okay, I'm going to go see my grandpa. No, nothing between tonight and Friday is going to change anything. He's still dying. I'm still going to see him on, on Saturday. I have an opportunity to show my God or my grandpa or the universe, whatever you want to call it, that I'm willing to work when it's inconvenient. And I think I'm going to be helped. And I think that if I can show that I'm willing to do that, like there is a lesson in here. So I told my wife, I said, no, I'm going to get to my area at 9 a.m. on a Friday and I'm just going to work. And I pulled up to my area. And I said a prayer in my car and I said, hey, I'm hurting right now. Uh, This sucks, but help me get a win. Like help me make this significant. And the first three doors I knocked on, I got an AC, I went to lunch. I got another AC and a welcome call that day. So I ended with four ACs and one welcome call that day. I'd never get four ACs. Like people know me as the consistent guy who always gets one AC a day. Even during the bigs, I don't really get more than two or three ACs. So that day out of the four ACs two of them have gotten installed and they've both given me at least one referral. So going back to the principle that one conversation was that day now is significant to me that not only have have I been rewarded financially but most importantly I can hang my hat on that and that's something that I will never forget. And that's a principle that we're faced with almost every day in our areas. People need us to come home to do whatever. But the question that we should be, because I asked, is this really going to matter in six months? I mean, it's helped me progress and I made that Friday significant. And it's something that I'm never going to forget. So I think as we, and I went up on Saturday, said our goodbyes, spent five days with him, and then he passed, right? Now, looking back a year and a half later, I now have something positive to remember for that Friday and something to honor my grandpa with. I, obviously, that might be on the extreme side of the spectrum. I think those are the kinds of, the death, yeah,
1: but those, that's incredible. And just so you know, I don't keep anything, hardly. And I have a folder with like 20, maybe 25 text stories that I actually have that, you know, yeah, it was because that's the kind of stuff that most people don't seize that opportunity or they don't see it as significant or they don't challenge themselves enough to say, I don't want to be insensitive, but to say, okay, it's Friday, this is happening. It doesn't matter. It's like, you know, Chad Wright says that the guy that we, the ultra marathoner that we, if you're running a race and your knee starts to hurt, it actually doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Right. And, um, That's the thing I love so much about direct sales is you have these moments and they they could be micro moments. It doesn't have to be the death of a grandpa. It could be my wife is really mad at me right now. I can't work or saying, look, she's mad. I'm going to fix this. We're going to figure it out. But for the next four hours, I'm a leader and people need to see me win because your reps, deal with micro things that become massive things like this every single day. And they need to have a leader that they're proud of. They need to have someone that they can be like, dude, I saw that and respect and I'm going to do more next
0: time. Well, it's easy to work when all the conditions are right. You know what I mean? Like when you're happy, when the weather's great, it's like, it's easy to work. It's hard to work and go be productive when you have stuff going on in your life. It's like all the noise around you to be able to quiet the noise and go out and work and eliminate those excuses is is really what separates our top performers from the average guys. And um, you said something when you were talking, you said, I was willing to work when it was inconvenient. And then how did you say, you said, and I knew I would be rewarded for it or something along those lines, right? Yeah. So maybe touch on the, and I know we're almost out of time, maybe touch on that principle of being willing to work when you know that it's a hard circumstance? Where does that belief come from that you'll be rewarded for that?
2: Yeah, um, I think it's twofold. Um, I don't know if I'm overstepping or anything, but uh, there's a side of it that's a re- religion side of it. I believe that I have a Heavenly Father who's very aware of what I'm going through, and my faith and trust, I know that he's aware of everything. and. If I come to him, and I, I know that he's going to help me, so that's 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 one side of it. But um, working when it's not convenient—that's what builds confidence in this job. And confidence is linked to every success here. Um, I mean, have have you guys tried to knock doors when you're not feeling confident? Right. It's it's harder. Yeah, it's harder. harder. It's, it's harder so hard. And so sometimes
0: you're not even cognizant of it, right? You're yeah, just going, and yeah. then and you're just an hour goes by and you just realize you're in a funk and you're like, what is the deal?
2: And you're wordy and you're short with people mm-hmm. and you're apologetic. Yeah, and, 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 and and you try to say things very, really, very really quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so um, wh- when you work, when it's inconvenient, that is building character. That's the only time, like it's not really building character if you're working like when you want to work. Yeah. It's when you're going against the grain and you're swimming upstream, that's when you're building that character muscle and true confidence is when your character is, being, is, is, is getting better. And so I think that's, that's the secret. And what's cool about the job is there's those little opportunities every single day. I mean, just yesterday, I had another one of those little moments. I did the Combine Boot Camp uh, training up in Temecula. A long ways out of my area, it gets out at 3, there's rush hour. It was very easy for me to call it a day and go back home to go.
0: Especially after just hitting 460 installs <laughs> right? in order yeah. and yeah. hitting yeah. franchise and knowing what his paycheck looks on Friday. He's <laughs> so like, you know, I can take an afternoon off. So like, it, it, it would have be
2: been fine. very easy and convenient and no one would have thought less of, me, less of me because it's a valid excuse. Every excuse we have is real, mm-hmm. right? But it's that afternoon is not gonna matter in six months unless I do something to make it worth something. So um, I asked a guy, Scott, who I recruited, who's now a DM in Temecula, say, hey, can I just knock a couple doors with you in your area? We went out to his area, and Scott was a great example too. He was sick, but he was still planning on working because it doesn't matter in six months. You're not gonna remember six months ago that you had a little tickle in, in your throat. doesn't matter. So we both went out. I sold the first homeowner that we talked to, so I got an AC that I'm closing on Saturday. Scott, Pitched three more homeowners and he got an AC with a pastor who wants to introduce this to his congregation while he was sick. So, like, I get jived by that just because that is a very simple opportunity that, we, that, that we're faced with every single day. I think um, when you're chasing
1: that progression, you were talking about earning the confidence and the development and like the way you ultimately feel. Because at the end of the day, the co- confidence is authentic, right? It's not, it's not arrogance. It's not bravado. Like true confidence comes from a, a history of of wins, right? Yeah. Um, do you guys ever read anything by Ryan Holiday? Like he's kind of the, the new age like, mental like presence guy. He's good. Anyway, I was listening to a podcast with him the other day, and he says it's that question of how do you feel about yourself when you're by yourself, mm-hmm. right? And so you have like this experience with Scott. You have the experience after the boot camp. You have the day of your grandpa, and man, if you can collect those where you're like. I do push myself. I yeah. challenge myself. I expect more of myself. I put faith in something and expect rewards. Man, like that it's a personal culture
0: you develop. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Like you you become aware of who you are as a person and it's like, yeah. no, this is this is who I am. This is my personal brand. I do That's hard crazy. things yeah. when the going gets tough. You yeah. know what I mean?
1: Yeah, and you know if you don't. And so if 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 you can Perform when it's only you testing yourself to see if you perform and you take the pride, you take the, I'm proud of myself today. Those are the victories, man. It's not, and we live in such like a, a society where anytime you do anything fun,
2: you post and you share and mm-hmm. things like that. Yeah. Yeah. But those ones that you win for yourself, those are the lasting ones. Yeah. I think it, it, all, it all just comes back to, you know, happiness is progression and you think of what am I becoming? Who am I becoming? Am I becoming a person who throws in the towel when it's in when it's inconvenient? No I'm not because here's this example this example this example this one and that that's gonna help you in the job it's gonna help you in relationships it's gonna help you in business outside of this company right so it's it's great
1: well Thank you for sharing, man. That, that yeah. was really personal stuff, but it's motivating. Like I, I can feel the power of that, and I, I'm glad you reminded me. I'm going to go back and, well, now I'm going to save the video piece of it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but you've been inspiring, man. I, I like that you do it for yourself. I appreciate what you've done for the group, and thanks for sitting down and kicking off 2020 with yeah. us. Man, hey, you can only go up
2: from here, right? hey. so it's great. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> That's why it's so good. That's exactly right. Well, thank you guys
1: for joining us. This has been another episode of Electric People. If you've liked what you've heard and are interested in joining our teams, check us
0: out at viventsolar.com forward slash careers. If you enjoyed the podcast, please go to iTunes and subscribe. Leave us a great review and leave us a five-star rating.
1: Thanks for hanging out with us today. This is Electric People. Take these principles and go be electric.